Hey, beauty! We just recorded episode number 62 of your Cosmophonic podcast. I'm your host, Andy Murphy. And I had the chronic gals on today. Ah! Um, I've been waiting. Waiting? I don't know. I don't know that I wait on too many things, but um, I was excited to have them on because it felt way fucking overdue to be able to have a conversation that dives into so many things. Because anytime I listen to a Chronic Gals podcast, my mind just goes bloop, 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 bloop. Um, and so we talk and kind of begin, not in any professional way at all, talking about the stigma of stoner. Because as a Gen X kid, it was a place of shame. Um, and I don't find that they carry that same shame. We talk, of course, about egregores, and I'm just gonna give you guys a little uh, you know, warning in here. We talk about Santa. So if you've got any little ears who are listening, maybe not, I don't know that they should ever listen because um, fuck happens around here a lot. In that place of the egregores, um, of course we go lots of ways, but um, pleasure is a teacher because that's the new way of feminine business. This new industry of cannabis that is coming through their new project Take Root. Yes, yes. And because it came up and Ashleen and I have been in close community for a long time, we do an Egyptian past life activation. Didn't expect that, but that's in there for you too. So anytime that we move into activations, make sure you're not driving. You allow yourself to receive differently. And if that's something that's interesting and fun, it's in there. So ready to do? Ready to not do? Ready to not do what we don't do? Light a bowl, light a joint, light a candle. Bring yourself into these places of warmth within, of expansion and the safety to remember even more of you as we embark upon episode 62 of your Cosmic Mama podcast. See you inside. Oh, they're specific today. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's two two, mamas! <laughs> It's two two. It's two two. Did you um, tell her the other new number? Yeah, that in November or last time we recorded on Chronic Owls, it was Wait, 11, 11. 11 11. I think I messaged that to you. Maybe it got, it got um, lost. But. Yeah, but now the whole uh, listening crew gets to know uh, how we're just like syncing up with all of these. Like, <laughs> um, shall we just meet up on the big days, ladies? Let's. Yes, always. Oh, so we welcome all of you here to um, the sacred space that is you. As we allow ourselves to begin to drift into some quieter spaces. Of contemplation and celebration. And they say, as we're opening today, just kind of bringing into your own body, your heart. The places where you're really proud of yourself. Places where new things are showing up that are both challenging and expanding. And with that pride, with that joy, drop it down into hips so that you may embody it all more deeply. As we give ourselves permission for the fullness of our being, for the fullness of silence and expression, <laughs> find the joy that's always there waiting for you. And anything that comes up as challenges 
just kind of blast it with a Care Bear stare of love. <laughs> and reminded that uh, it too is filled with the same joy and bliss and potentiality. Woo! Hey, y'all. Um, I think it's ridiculous that it's taken this long, and uh, I'm really grateful that we're here. But uh, can we start out by talking about this fucking stigma of stoner, please? Sure. Because I, as a Gen X, have it. Ashleen, what I know of you, you don't have it for shit. And I'm like, how, like, um, so is that a generational thing, or is it your own personal journeys? A little bit of both. Um, when I started smoking weed, I made it a point not to be the lazy stoner. Like I made it a point to like smoke my weed and then do something productive, like smoking a joint and cooking dinner or smoking a joint and cleaning my room. And like, I made it a point to not fall into the stigma of like the lazy stoner who can't get their stuff done. And like, Ooh, they're just like off on a cloud not doing anything so <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both for me it's like the personal like I don't want to be a stoner I want to be like a stoner yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> um and you know Shakespeare was a great stoner so anyone who's like stoners are lazy I'm like fuck you like you must not have really met many stoners because I don't find that to be true at all yeah and I I mean, everybody used cannabis in Shakespeare's day. Everybody used cannabis all the way up until like the 20s, literally the 1920s, Yeah. when some white guy in charge in the government said that this is like, oh, it's, I mean, it's a very mi like minority charge story as well. But somebody just decided one day that cannabis was, was not like a profit worthy medicine. You know, I think it was really like around the time mm -hmm. the pharmaceuticals started coming around. And oh, Hearst, wasn't it the whole paper empire too? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so like for a long time, not very long ago, there were some people driving a narrative that was completely incorrect. Mm -hmm. I mean, you even had at the same time that Harry Anslinger was beginning the prohibition and the war on drugs in the 20s. At the same time, you have the American Academy of Science, uh, uh, sorry, the American Academy of Doctors or whatever they're their group was they like testifying to Congress that they should not do this to cannabis. They should not schedule cannabis as a drug because it is it's been helping so many people medicinal for so many different things. So this is the stigma is truly just the, it's an anchor. It's, it's the power of somebody to, yeah, to just create a <laughs> fucking idea that became the entire culture. I want to retract my word because you said a much more interesting word. I'm like, did we get to talk about egregores today? <laughs> Apparently uh, we do. Because <laughs> it was y'all who brought that into my consciousness. And then, um, so I also like in my own stoner, stoner stigma, which I totally like exists for me. I don't get high and do things publicly. I don't get high and go on and do group things like that is my own private sacred time with friends. It's different, but not in a public way. Um, so the egregores, whenever you guys got into egregores, I was so fucking high. I'm like, oh my God, uh, it was really, yes. it changed my perspective on things in the world. Mm -hmm. Would you guys talk about uh, as 
succinctly or not as possible what an egregore is and where the rabbit hole kind of started for y'all? You can define it better than I. And it was TikTok. TikTok began the rabbit hole. Yeah, the egregore that is TikTok as a whole. It's like an egregore factory. It's an e-hole. It is an e-hole. An egg hole. Yeah. So an egregore is the idea that an idea held by enough people creates its own energy. And within that energy, kind of like, I don't know, I guess persuade is the word that's coming to me. Persuades a bunch of people into thinking that it's a thing. So then it becomes a thing, even though it's a ge- like human generated energy. So our, th- our collective thoughts together will give life to something. Yes, yeah. Um, my favorite benign example of an egregore is Santa Claus, because Santa Claus, I mean, I think the idea of egregore has kind of, uh, they're like scary things, you know, mm-hmm. like scary ideas, things that are a little like intense, but Santa Claus is not an intense egregore. He's sweet and he is, you know, chummy and fat and he brings you presents and he's not real. Santa Claus isn't real, but for millions of billions of children on this planet, for one night a year, he is. And for one morning a year, he is. And that's because the parents love them so much that they bring Santa Claus to life, you know, putting the cookies out on the table and then eating the cookies the after the kids have gone to bed. Yeah. And drinking the milk. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> Any kids are listening. Um, so, yeah, I like Santa Claus as a really benign kind of egregore. But there's also things like, uh, politics, like politics are an egregore. The, mm-hmm. the the thought forms of the Democratic Party the, versus the thought forms of the Republican Party. These are two, like none of these, if you really think about it, none of these yeah, things exist. matter or exist outside of society. Mm-hmm. But so much of our society rails against either of the other one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and both. <laughs> they, be- they become concepts through which people are divided. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think egregores in the worst of times. So it's funny because we were talking about Hearst. Um, and as we were talking about, thank you. You want to just watch my little fucking stream of consciousness over here today? Um, Hearst, the paper company. Hearst Castle is what I wrote down. And so even in that way, how there's all of these ghosts and all of these energies that are trapped at Hearst Castle. And I'm like, ooh, are they being punished for destroying weed? Um, <laughs> are we are we keeping all of these spirits here because they can't leave? But um, I know Ashleen and I have talked about the idea of um, even ghosts being egregores at times. Yeah. Because that's... Um... And a physical manifestation of an egregore. Yeah. Yep. Like, how many haunted houses are there that are, like, historical haunted houses? And you go through the tour, and every single tour guide is like, oh, when you walk up the stairs, people have been known to feel the touch of the ghost. And then the person's like, oh, I feel ghost. You know, like, that is totally an egregore. Totally, like, a brain placebo. Being- yeah pushed into you oh that's a really good word riley it is a brain placebo because um going through those tours i haven't done them i've watched many of them and so there's always like (laughs) well and there's this one spirit who's here and you're gonna have this experience and so you've already planted it so that cellularly um anything that goes wrong you can kind of have a context through which to experience an idea Mm -hmm. that wasn't yours to begin with and um yeah hmm hmm so I have, an, I have a theory about an egregore that might actually mess a lot of people up. And if you decide to take it out later, that's <laughs> totally fine. I think the moon is kind of an egregore. 
Um, well, and uh, yeah, like Lynette Duncan is saying that too. And she's like, the moon doesn't actually exist. It's all Neptune. And so Neptune is its own, like the moon is a shadow of Neptune. I think if we oh, go there. The moon is a shadow of Neptune. Like, that part. Uh, but go into yeah. that. Okay. So Ashleen, uh, go, 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 go. Let me not uh, interrupt. Mm -hmm. Say more. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the, uh, I mean, there's like whatever you're bringing up about the Neptune shadow. I mean, there's a lot of people who say the moon is not real. The moon is not what we've been told that it is. Is the moon hollow? Are there space stations on the dark? You know, there's like all of these things about the moon that we don't really know are true. However, in all of our ancient cultures and even up to today, the moon is a really important spiritual figure that causes the tides, that causes cycles, that women track women their connected bodies connected to, the to the moon. So it's a huge physical, there's a huge physical manifestation of whatever is happening with the moon. So big that we like track all of this magic by it. But what is the moon? We don't really know what is the moon, the moon is just a reflection. Um, I remember sitting in, the, thank you, because I, you know, with all my cancer, like I spent a bit of time sitting with a fucking moon and pondering totally. this whole thing. And I remember working with um, Christy. Uh, Christy was one of the early podcasts. And she said to me, she's like, the moon is just a reflection. The moon is nothing on its own. Um, and that it's all very sobering and it's all very uh, curious because we don't fucking know. I haven't gone up to the moon to know what it is at all. Even like all planetary, it's all egregores. We don't, we don't have direct concepts of any of it. Um, and as we get into that experience, that idea of direct experience, like it's why I love the mysteries. Mystery schools give you a direct experience, a direct knowing, like a cellular exchange where you're like, fuck yeah, I know this in my being now. And I guess we could say that uh, we can shamanically journey up to the moon and have an experience, but um, not live at a cellular level, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about, because even just the basic what we see of the moon, what we are told is really just the reflection of the brightness of the sun. Right. right? And only again, yeah. like... <laughs> It only exists in its relationship to Earth, right? Because if you right. go out to Jupiter, Jupiter's not looking at like Earth's moon as being something like significant and important. Um, right. Hmm. But we also put significance on other planets' moons. Like, isn't Chiron a moon? Or is Chiron a comet? Chiron's an asteroid, I think. But there's like Titan and Io. Yeah. Have you ever heard the sounds of Io? No. I heard this. I watched, there's like a. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. No, you were saying something. There was a um, sex love robots, sex drugs robots, that Netflix oh. anthology animation yeah. show. There was one of the episodes was called Sounds of Io. Oh, it was weird. <laughs> yeah, no, you say that name and I'm just like, no, no, no. Like my brain does not even need to hold any of those words in that. <laughs> just like, yes. <laughs> no. Mm -mm. Um. What was the journey for each of you individually into your awakening and into spirituality? Was weed always a part of it or was it like kind of adjunct? Um, I'd be curious. It's been a journey for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've talked, obviously we've talked about this a lot. Um, we're sisters for those who are listening at home. Um, so we've had lots of, lots of conversations about our journeys. And I think what we've landed on is that we've always been some sort of level of awake. We've yeah. always had some sort of like questioning of our reality. Uh, we grew up in the Catholic church and just like a lot of that didn't ring true. A lot of the things that we were told to do didn't ring true, didn't make sense. 
Um, so there was just kind of a lot of that like typical tension in our families. But then when we, I think it was like right around 2011, 2012, when that like that thing happened, that whole spiritual, like mass spiritual awakening happened. That was yeah. right around when we found cannabis also. Yeah. And then we just, I don't know. It was like after that I pivoted and I didn't want to be a normie at all. I wanted to like figure <laughs> out how to do something a little bit different. And I wiggled my way into working into the, in the cannabis industry in Washington state as it was legalizing. And so I've had great access to cannabis and plant medicine. And I would say it's definitely helped on my journey, but there's always been a level of being awake, I think. Yeah, we would. So when we were in like middle school, high school age, we would be, we would have to go to like religious education classes and which was like what we did growing up was to go like all through the church, going through to RE. When Ashleen learned to drive, that's when everything changed. <laughs> when, so when Ashleen turned 16 and she got her driver's license and we had the freedom to choose to go to church or not go to church, it was like we chose not to go to church and like, and tell our parents that we were definitely going to church. Yeah, of course. Like, obviously, of course, mom and dad, we're be going there. to church. But we would it. be going to Starbucks. to Starbucks. We would drink some <laughs> coffee and we would talk about like wild, big ideas. And it wasn't that we weren't like, we like it wasn't we that we weren't spiritual is that it was that the, our spirituality didn't fit within the confines of the catholic church beautiful and what we were thinking were it was like direct conflict in what we were being taught at church and so and it sounds like you did go to church it just wasn't in that building it was your exactly. own space where you had the freedom to um, explore ideas and discuss things that might have been shut down somewhere else exactly so I feel like our, like, I think we've always been awake, but our awakening, awakening started then. And simultaneously like, then? Probably. Pretty close. Yeah. yeah. We've definitely pinged off of each other through this whole thing. Yeah. If you can't tell, we're pretty close. <laughs> now, I, I have sisters down here, and I also love that uh, you're like, hey, by the way, we're sisters. I didn't really introduce properly the Canada <laughs> gals, uh, because you live in my heart, and I think everybody knows <laughs> you. So, uh yeah, Chronic Gals, uh, Ashleen and Riley, sisters. Mm -hmm. Sisters on this journey. On this sisters, journey. stoners, entrepreneurs. <laughs> Wild. Stonerpreneurs. Stonerpreneurs, 100%. Absolutely. But then, of course, in 2020, when all of that huge mass awakening happened, I mean, we found you through Spirit Rides Radio. So I think we were, like, just before 2020, we started listening to what you had to say, what Morgan Garza was saying. And then in 2020, when you were offering all of those workshops, mm -hmm. I started taking your classes voraciously. And then you took a couple of them mm -hmm. with me too. And um, on the podcast, had you on the podcast? Yeah. Yep. Like, oh my gosh, let's email Andy. Oh, you are our Mark Gaffney. Yeah, yeah. you are. You are our Mark Gaffney at the beginning for sure. And yeah, I mean, when did you start the podcast? 2018. Oh, that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've gone through like many different seasons of it. It hasn't been like, you know, that long straight through, but it's been exactly what we needed it to be every time we did it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I love the way that you just said seasons, because I remember reaching out to you at one point in time. I'm like, so when is a new season? Uh, and I think I was trying to do it from like a very like linear thing. But instead, like I recognize now I have seasons of my own growth and that kind of dictates rather than a calendar or a number of episodes. 
Yeah. It's who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We also were like, do we do seasons? Are we doing seasons? Is what does the season mean? Let's just number them the way that they are. But then we would take like natural breaks. And then those natural breaks, it was like, okay, well, that's the end of the season. So it's like a new, new version of us every season. Totally. Do you go back and listen to the first episode still? No. (laughs) No, it's been a while. I'm a little uh afraid embarrassed <laughs> you know it's probably actually way better than I think in my head you know yeah probably <laughs> it's probably way better but also I think there's something really sweet in the continuity of us mm-hmm. being able to watch the journey and people being able to go back and see yeah. um us and our own awkwardness as well so yeah. it might give them just a little more compassion for themselves I do. If someone is like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm too scared. I'm like, listen to our first episode. <laughs> it you, it will be fine. It's like our f- first episode was good, but we definitely, there's like, we got way better. Yeah. But like, I mean, it, it it is, it's your first episode. You suck at something the first time and that's okay. And that's how you be get, that's how you be get good. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you get good. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> what episode are you guys on now? Oh, like 97 or something. Fuck yeah! No, but we're taking a break because we just launched our new platform and our other business. Um, Hey, um, I I have on my list next projects. You want to tell us about your new platform? Sure. Um, Okay, so um, in our journey in the cannabis industry, we we started having, uh, well, we started hosting conversations with people in the industry to kind of find out. 91. What just like what people wanted, what people, what kind of support people were looking for in the cannabis industry. And we wanted to connect the Washington state stoners. The room was called Washingtonians. Mm -hmm. And we just like, Washington doesn't talk to each other. Our state is huge. Our regions are disconnected. And within the cannabis industry. Yeah, within the cannabis industry. And I wanted to just like talk to other people in the industry and see what's going on in Spokane or Seattle. But the Seattle freeze is real, even to Washington, Washingtonians. So oh, I don't know that. I'm in Colorado. We have the Boulder thing. It's called the Boulder bubble of like, yeah, yeah, Boulder doesn't leave bold. Okay, so same thing. Yeah, it's basically totally. the same thing. If you're from Seattle or if you live in Seattle, you don't talk to anybody. You don't make new friends. The people who move to Seattle from out of town don't make friends. It's like the most depressing situation <laughs> in their lives. I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, we were holding these rooms. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> sorry. And the one conversation that kept coming up over and over was bud tender training and how people were having poor experiences with their bud yeah. tenders because their bud tenders weren't well educated enough on the product and they felt like they weren't being guided through the transaction well, or if they had questions about something, they didn't feel like they got good enough answers, you know? So um, with my experience in the cannabis industry and then just our experience as cannabis users and and like retail customer service hospitality skills we decided that we could do it because dispensary leadership didn't have time to train to create training for their staff Mm -hmm. it was uh Bud tender education is something that is very like the burden of it is put on the bud tender to do outside of work on their own dime on their own hours Whereas any other company that you join will give you training. You know, they'll get you, if you work for a floor salesman, they will train you on all of the different flooring options that they, they provide. And that's just something that hasn't been built yet in the cannabis industry. And granted it's new. It started in 2014, 
I think we legalized in 2012 and then the oh. doors retail doors opened in 2014. Mm -hmm. So since then, dispensary leadership has just been focused on running the day-to-day, -day, figuring out compliance and all of the crazy regulations that we have to deal with in the cannabis industry. So they just haven't had the time to even devote to putting this kind of training material together. So we did it. And we took <laughs> we took that burden off of their shoulders and created a platform that dispensaries can use when they're onboarding their butt tending staff. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can, we, can you tell us the name of that company, please? Yes, of course. We're Take Root Dispensary Training. And our platform is called Root Knowledge, a butt tender's guide to cannabis. It is an online platform that in 10 shifts, you can take any new hire from a casual cannabis user to an expert level cannabis salesperson in just 10 shifts. So um, we really were thoughtful in the way that we put it together, the information we wanted to include, and the way that we intend for dispensaries to roll it out in their store. Mm -hmm. So and we're I really proud of ourselves. <laughs> um, I'm beyond proud of both of you. Um, and I know there's a third party in this too. So uh, beyond proud of the team who's coming forward to do this. But even Ashleen, can I just like, you just fucking got that elevator pitch down. And like, we know what we're doing. And we know what we're talking. Um, We've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> great job. I uh, am blessed to know and love you on a personal level as well. So being able to watch where it's grown. So now I'm hearing like, 10 shifts like you actually have it so it can be implemented like during the work training onboarding what yeah fucking mm -hmm. brilliant yeah we're really giving this like dispensaries just buy it and then implement it we have gave we're giving you all of the tools you don't even need to do anything except sit your bud tender in front of a computer like that's it so, it's so beautiful and will it be able to roll out to other states at some point in time we're starting maybe available yes. now available to anybody any english speaker yeah. <laughs> but we can do canada we're hoping to get into canada as well yeah um the uk and then at some point we'll translate for sure into other languages <laughs> oh my god okay um i love this because uh as you guys are talking about bud tenders i think of like my worst experience and it was 2020 i mean bless we had this moment where they were going to close all of the weed shops and all of the liquor stores in colorado um <laughs> as we were like getting into that pandemic time and i remember going to the shop and i'm like you better fucking bulk up. Like, isn't that what we were all thinking? And the guy's like, straight back. Like it was militant in there with like, oh, and I'm like, I don't, um, it, it is the antithesis of what I would expect from, um, stoners. Right. <laughs> For, sure. For sure. And you always remember a negative experience. Totally. You always remember a negative experience and let's start remembering the positive experiences. Like once we, and that's such a thing for the dispensaries. Like, I will always drive by a dispensary and be like, oh, that motherfucker over there sold me some shit weed, you know? But it's like, I want to like start spreading the positive. Mm -hmm. And if a dispensary is investing in their bud tenders, then their bud tenders are going to be happier. Their customers are going to be more satisfied. Everyone's going to get more money. Everyone's going to be happier. Well, and I mean, this is getting really into the nitty gritty of the cannabis industry, which may not be the point of your podcast, but... In this Wait, do I age, have a point of my podcast I, anymore? Who knows? You did say you had a plan. <laughs> <laughs> I had notes, not a plan. Uh, notes. In this day and age, in this economy, in this employer-employee yeah. um, struggle that's happening right now, employers need to do better to prove their value as a good place to work. So if you as a dispensary are offering college-level training to your bartenders as just 
thank you for working for us. Here's your training that you can then take on in the rest of your cannabis career. Like that is a selling point to work for that dispensary over dispensary B that just, just like mm -hmm. throw you on the floor and figure it out as you go. So there's like a, there's a lot of things to look at for sure. It's so beautiful. And my sense right now is it's going to be entrepreneurs and it's going to be people in passion jobs that is going to survive whatever the heck is going on. Right. Cause we can watch um, the egregore of recession. Can we just fucking go there? Um, like y'all yes. come on um, the egregore of recession that you can participate in. And that egregore of recession is really going into a place of like, if you work for a corporation, you might be fucked because corporations are going down. We're watching that in tech and that's not um, doom and gloom, but there's really um, like soul is trying to come online. Purpose is trying to come online. Passion is coming online. So anything that you can do that aligns with that, but then to have the gift of take root that also brings you into a place of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I fucking love my weed. And we get to bring it to a place where I feel um, very knowledgeable about it, really confident in it. And like I have something that is um, valuable to offer because with bud tenders like that, I'll fucking tip better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Did we freeze there for a second? And that's what everyone's, you know, yeah, for a second. Yeah. Uh, we're good. We're back though. But um, right. <laughs> I mean, that's what everybody's looking for, right? Is the... But tending is better. They're earning more tips. They're getting better customer retention, which means that the store is earning more money. So, I mean, it's win-win. Like the burden of training doesn't have to fall on the manager who has a bajillion other things to do. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. And yeah, I never thought about, yeah, the guys who are coming in there, the people who are beginning their career in that. Like it is their own passion. It is their own knowledge. I never thought that the burden of education in that way is on them in their free time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh yeah and no yeah, standardization I mean, of like where that knowledge comes from because it could just be like some yeah dark web fucking website that's giving them <laughs> exactly and it's widening your employee pool if you're not looking for like the experts and the people who has the most have the most expertise it's like anybody can come in take this course mm -hmm. and become a bud tender i love this y'all congratulations well, it was so beautiful when you're setting sacred space and talking about like the being proud of yourselves and the new projects coming in. And I'm like, yeah, yes, yes, yes. we've done great. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, weed and spirituality obviously is uh, the focus of chronic gals, the focus of your lives. What else is exciting you right now? Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, and I don't mean outside of that, but like it could be within that. And I uh, I know, Ashleen, we could talk some lasagna stuff. Um, but oh, yeah. really, I would love to hear like what's geeking you out these days too, because I love how your brain works. You know what? My brain is on hold from geeking out. <laughs> okay. It is on a shelf being absorbed by shit TV. And <laughs> because my energy is being funneled to all of these other ventures that we have going on that like my free time is like rest. I guess I'm geeking out about Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> a video game. <laughs> okay, um, hold on. Cause Sorry. I just love how everything's colliding today. So um, <laughs> Sam and Colby, who would probably be who I watch for paranormal stuff. Um, Colby has a Kingdom Hearts tattoo where 
to me, I see it and I see the tattoo and I'm like, is that some type of a um, pedophile symbol? Because that's what I think. So what the fuck mm -hmm. is Kingdom Hearts, please? And, uh, educate um, a Gen X on Kingdom Hearts. So Kingdom Hearts is a video game that came out late 90s, early 2000s. It is the mashup of Final Fantasy, that video game series, and Disney. Somehow they collided and created Kingdom Hearts, where like a fan Final Fantasy character finds himself inside of the Disney universe. What? And it's actually quite a mindfuck <laughs> because it's they're taught so by now, Kingdom Hearts is like a series of games that have different storylines within the story and it's basically this it's so weird it is so weird it's this guy who if i'm getting the story right because i'm like half in the story half in below deck but <laughs> the main character is this kid who the bat main bad guys needed him to collect the dark souls of i'm trying to remember what the bad guys name are i think they're just called the darkness or something but with the keyblade like spoiler alert there's a twist the keyblade is the one that that is taking the dark souls and the main character that you play uses the keyblade to kill the darkness so it's this weird huh yep cycle of like you're trying to save the universe from the dark souls by killing the darkness, but by killing the darkness, you're feeding the dark souls. Wow. It's okay. super weird. Yeah. And then, and then it's like multiple realities of this one kid. And within these dimensions of realities, he lives a different life, but always has to fight the bad guy. It's like the same story. It's really weird. Wow. Like the more it, I play it, I'm like, what am I playing? Like, <laughs> this is so weird, but it's really, well, really fun. And it's almost um like going into another multiverse in order oh, to like participate in there as you talk about it too, which um great. Uh, <laughs> for the education. Um, I don't know that I need to spend my time there. <laughs> oh no, no, probably not. And not everybody needs to do it, but it is a very fun video game. And um and I yeah, love video no, games. Let me also say that. So, like, I don't mean to sound like some asshole or who's like, oh, no. Um, no, I play lots of fucking uh, games, but I like the ones where, like, I need to solve puzzles and I need to get the clues and I need to, like, go and do this thing. And I found a new series recently on my iPad and they're on version eight of it or, like. Which one? What game is it? Lost Lands. Oh, you know, okay. I know. So yeah, I'm working with the druids and working with um, all kinds of things to go and solve puzzles and find this thing. And then I'm so stoned that I forget like what version I'm in. And then I'm like, I, I, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I like puzzle games. Mm -hmm. I think our I like brother was talking too. about that game. Oh, yeah, it's maybe. I, think. I don't know. Anyway, I'll have to check it out. I love a puzzle. Love a puzzle. You? Okay. Yeah. Like I'm not one for uh, my daughter plays a lot of like the shooting games and I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. I'd rather go on a quest or a mystery or something. Yeah. Or Laura Croft. I really like Laura oh, yeah. Croft. I like Tomb Raider too. Tomb Raider was a, like Tomb Raider 2. That was a really good game. 
Yeah, no, I never got there. I, uh, again, like different generation because we were working on like yeah. uh, much more basic graphics with things. And by the time two they got there, it was a PC game. It was like an 8-bit PC. <laughs> it was real old school. Yeah, I was like, I remember playing that one. Like, yeah. <laughs> My dad used but, to build computers. And so like we always had access to computers, which I think was for my benefit in most ways. But yeah, once once the consoles came in, like it was just all of the, um, you know, bros of a certain generation listening to um, the music that I still like and playing video games. I'm like, I don't um Mortal Kombat, like, yeah, it's forever in here in <laughs> the <Right. laughs> extra room of my consciousness. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you play games, Ash? Not not as much as she does. Okay. I If I play a game, it's... Sims. Yeah, I don't play that many games. <laughs> when you did play games, you liked Pharaoh. That's true. There was a game back in the uh, 2000s, probably, called Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. It was another PC game, but it was one of the ones where uh, you have to, like, build a civilization. You have to build an Egyptian civilization. So, yeah. So, obviously, she liked Pharaoh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I love that you kind of get into the Egypt stuff. You want to talk to us <laughs> about some of your experience through maybe the Mystery School or Egypt that doesn't spill any beans? Yeah. Um, Okay. Yes, I would love to. Um, (laughs) So ancient Egypt has been present for me and for both of us since childhood. I remember going to the library and checking out every single Egyptian mythology book they had as a, like a little single digit age kid, like a little kid, little kid. And uh, eventually read through the entire library system of all of the gods and goddesses. And, you know, I, like even throughout my entire elementary school, all of my projects were related to Egypt or anything. Like I was very obsessed and uh, eventually grew out of it because I had no more resources. Like I had nothing else. Yep. The internet didn't exist. The internet didn't yep, exist yet. <laughs> yeah. The internet didn't have the resources. So um, it just kind of faded from my life, you know? It was, like I've been into astrology and taken a turn at Buddhism for a second, but when in 2020 when I found you and your classes it like boom reawakened all of that um and it all just felt like home totally so (laughs) since that's part of the reason I've been taking your initiation so so much because it just felt comfortable home especially in 2020 2021 when everything outside of that was is chaos made no sense yeah yeah, so um yeah, I don't know what it is about Egypt that draws me to. I mean, I do. It's yeah. lifetimes and connections and you know, I remember I things from there, but I'm still like I don't have any clear clear like memories or past lives or anything like that. Really? Just the yeah, I don't remember hardly any past lives at all. Hold on. And you Hold told on. me you told me. <laughs> we, can we stir some shit up? Say not, Nikki. Yeah. See, yeah, you did I tell mean. me once it was because I haven't had a lot of human lives. So, Ooh. yeah, tell me. Let's see what we can do. Uh, no, Wait. they're just saying, like, let's see if we can kind of, like, just stir up a past life memory or activation of that right now. Sure. Um, let's do it. <laughs> um, and this is not putting you on the spot. So let's just remind everybody if we're going to do an activation, like, let's set an intention that we remember um, a lifetime in Egypt that would be of benefit to us now or keys or codes that we can turn on that would help in this current lifetime. Uh, And they're asking that we come into heart space for this.
Oh, that's funny. Uh, for any of us who know the Akashic, going into the Malm might be more appropriate, but for everyone else, heart would be just fine. And then leaving from this body <clears throat> and arriving in front of the Sphinx. <laughs> um, they're looking at us and they're like, how many people are you bringing in here right now? I don't know. We're going to party on the um, ethers. Thanks. Uh, we're going to find that doorway that opens that takes us down underneath the paws of the Sphinx. This used to be where the halls of Amenti were, but they got upgraded and moved. And as you enter into this cavernous room, the spaces kind of expand for you. And asking to have a clear sense, memory of a lifetime that you spent here. Activating all of those senses, smell, taste, sight, touch. Ask what it is from this lifetime that can come back to enhance or activate purpose in your current lifetime. And let that memory be planted there either in your mouth or in your heart. As you bring it back in awakening consciousness. Ongsa. Did it kick anything in? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, architect. Okay, yeah, no, I didn't even want you to say, because, like, oh. that's, that's fucking private. Um, but, like, really, that, that worked? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Love um, that. Did you get anything? I don't know. <laughs> I saw one of you in, like, a very specific role of tending the temples. And so there was, like, this um, great devotion to the living energies of that. Um, yeah, those, those aren't dead energies. They're still vital and vibrant cool yeah yeah I got I'm happy to share this part but I just got I got one vision of just like some wall lifting and just like irrigation like water flowing through cool. channel but aqueducts cha mm -hmm. like some sort of I don't know but that's what <laughs> I saw <laughs> that's cool so 
Yeah, I was kind of surprised that that's where they brought us. And I'm like, are we sure? Um, the, for the former halls of Amenti is where you would like us to just uh, be invited and access. Um, I'll make sure that whenever we're done, I close out all gateways too. So nobody gets stuck in there. <laughs> nobody can oh just stumble God. in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's funny as you talk about uh, the classes because I – like, you know, for me in 2020, it was just teaching. Like that was the only thing I could do to stay sane. And so um, feverish is what I felt about it. And um, I didn't know how to embody it. I didn't know how to live it. And I think in 2020, by the time we got into those containers, I'm like, hold the fuck up. I got this. Um, I really became the teachings differently instead of just like, because that was the sanity that I needed to get through mm -hmm. <laughs> reality breaking. Yeah. Yeah. I think me too. And I think a lot of us too. And so it was such a blessing that you had these things and you were able to bring these like groups mm -hmm. of us together because I don't know where I would, where I would be now without the group that we have, the community that we've created. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, even just, even just you saying that we don't have to be in the chaos that's happening outside of us. And I think that might've been like a light body tech lesson too, but that was life-changing in the middle of 2020. All of these things are happening and I'm anxious and I don't know if I can touch the people who live outside of my house, you know, right. like, oh, what's actually true is that all the people in my house are healthy. We have everything that we need. And all of that out there, I can't control anyway. So, okay. Can we call like, COVID an egregore? Would that be a fair use of it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, just um, yes. Great. I saw some <laughs> sweet little love um, working in the produce section of the grocery store yesterday, and he had on a double mask, and I was like, to feel like that's you know, bless, like what situation yeah. is he in that he feels like he has to work, and that's the only way that he's able to. Right. Um, show up to that work. Okay. Uh, thank you. What I want to reflect back that I heard you saying, Ashleen, that is really lovely and I'm receiving it in this cellular body right now. For us to have a place while the entire world was shaking that we could kind of like step outside of reality to something else that was stabilizing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. I know that. Thanks. And yeah. in you talking about how, you know, you're teaching so much, teaching so much, and now you're embodying and slowing down so that you can embody. I like feel that too on the student receiver side of it as well. Like, I feel like I need to stop taking initiations and go back and look at the things that I've learned. Like, um, I mean, you put all your things on YouTube. So if you've been through the classes before, you know, you can go back. And I've actually took, I look back at our November, 2020 Akashic left uh things a couple months ago and there's still nuggets of wisdom in there that benefited me in that present moment you know so there's I'm I'm really trying to embody I'm trying to go back and like absorb whatever all the things that I've learned and then embody it as I mean honestly as a Christed child right that's our whole fucking point is to be the divine child and embody these things so Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't that what we're here to become the Christed child? Yeah. Right. So, you know. <laughs> and, and yeah, what's the process for doing that? Um, I find it fascinating that. Thanks. I'm having my own like uh, experience over here, which is 
as a child going through all of the Egyptian stuff that I could find, right? Like, like you did. Um, mine wasn't so much of studying the Egyptian. I was way more into UFOs and occult shit. Like, that's where I was. I was a little fucking weird kid who's like, do you have any more books on ghosts? And they're like, demon child in the 80s was my experience. Um, trying to learn how to be psychic at six was what I was spending my time on. But like exhausting the resources that were available to us. And then somehow I get to college and I'm like, the secrets will be here. Um, <laughs> and that was not my experience of college. Uh, the head of our psychology department, she began our first intro to psych course mocking parapsychology and all of that. Of oh and I remember God. just like having that moment of like, there's this openness and excitement and then immediate like, not here. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's been this quest the whole time of like, where do we find the knowledge that I know to be true because I've exhausted every fucking resource out here. Yes. And knowing that it's in the memories and that it's the memories within ourselves and that that's the only place that we're going to remember and the things that we, um, I'm in my own process right now of um, self-abandonment. And so not knowing how to trust those memories and those experiences that I have, um, getting better with that, but a lifetime of like, no, 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 honey, like uh, being shushed away from my own. Yeah. Well, not only this present lifetime, but all the lifetimes, because for how many generations have we been told to look into the, to the Bible to find our truth or to look outside of ourselves to find truth? So really what you're doing, Andy, is a completely radical act. <laughs> no wonder my body's having some issues with it, right? <laughs> you want to remember, you're going to earn it. Well, and what a weird thing that that's the radical part, right? Like being your own source of knowledge, radical, uh, challenging, scary. Ooh, don't do it. What a weird, gorgeous fucking shift we're in and changing that for our kids too. Like, yeah. hey, hey, that gets yeah. to evolve. Um their felt sense, their knowingness and trusting that first is huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did you want to say about educators? Just that educators shouldn't like close off any type of excitement that anybody has for anything. Yeah. I just, the fact that you felt like, I know that this, this is like a felt like a shared feeling where you're like really excited to learn about a subject. And then the educator is like, no, that subject is dumb. As an educator, you should not be telling anybody anything is dumb because just show them the way show them foster curiosity way. foster, foster passion, curiosity right exactly. like let give them the tools to open any fucking door um but i think we've had a society and certainly growing up in the 80s in the south very different in that way of like things were good or bad mm -hmm. right and yeah, so right. i think the educators in that way thought that they were uh morality police perhaps probably mm -hmm that they're guiding and molding young minds. And so like, this is not okay. And like, look over here. Yeah. The government gave him that power. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Maybe. Um, did the government give them really any power at all? Or are we all just scared of the egregore of government? And like, probably. <laughs> it's probably all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in this practice right now of, um, and Paul Selig said it on the most recent Aubrey Marcus podcast. I don't have to learn through the suffering. I can have another teacher. And I'm like, yeah. I'd like to learn through the pleasure. I'd like to learn like the safety of my yes and the hell no of my no. Yes. Yes. Um, 
And in the society that we have been living in, that no would be met with a punishment. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We weren't able to find in that place of curiosity what we might actually like. We would come with the curiosity and be told that that wasn't okay. At least um, that was my experience. And I think in a lot of religious upbringings as well, curiosity not allowed, dangerous, dangerous to think freely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I was um, kind of in this idea of not accepting suffering as a teacher and choosing pleasure instead. Um, I was listening to another cannabis podcast that had uh, an investor on as a guest and they were going through a cannabis company's investment deck mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of giving tips and feedback throughout the deck. Um, but it was interesting because one of the things that he said was if if an, uh, an investing startup. client, if a startup person is not willing to work 55 hours or more a week to invest that into their business, then I'm not interested in working with them. And I was like, nope, no, I reject that. No. I reject that. No. Yeah. I, in this whole, as we are entering this new project of Take Root, we have very much intentionally from the beginning said that we are going to do it in an easeful way. We're going to pivot away from the things that make us feel like we're doing work and find the things that make us excited and bring us to joy. Because I'm just going to bring that up. Yeah. Cause like if we're leaving corporate America, why are we going to bring corporate America practices into our new business? Yes. Thank you. Cause we you. didn't like it. Thank you. So let's not do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And how productive is that 55 hours? Like, are you really being productive? Is that a productive use of your time? We got so much done yesterday. Like four hours. In four hours. Well, I think, uh, so I'm, I'm doing a three-part class right now with a woman named Melissa Louise, and she does the Pleasure Studio. And so her concepts are like, oh my God, changing me. But this idea of time and the idea of time that is like so masculine in its expression, whereas feminine, like we have cycles, we have a knowingness that does not work according to your clock. So anything that is this idea of like 55 hours, oh, fuck yourself because I can get 55 hours done in 40 minutes some days. Like, yes, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Um, And I I love love this idea of allowing businesses to come in with these new models and new ways. Um, It's certainly, um, I think what the ask is right now. Um, And I was talking to Dina yesterday and what I was playing with, uh, Dina and I are both projectors. And so like, I can see shit really clearly whenever I'm with another project, it all just, not weird. I I don't get it. But um, (laughs) there's like a frustration for us that we can't see what's next. And the words that dropped in as I was listening to Dina is like, well, we haven't written it yet. We can't see it. We haven't created the path. We haven't walked it. So what's next? We haven't done yet to be able to see it at all. So we can't conceive of it. Totally. Yeah, Yeah, Mike, drop on that. I don't know what to say after that because I'm still in the process of like, what? uh, yeah, I feel that, and I feel like that is a source, is one of my biggest sources of fear and uncomfortableness right now is just like not knowing what the right next step is, not knowing if what but I you put do out know, is, you yes, know in your I body. Do. Yes, I agree with you, but it's still like the I guess the the ego is uh, you know, is pushed off kilter because you you want to have a plan, you want to know, you want to like uh, replicate things that are going to succeed. But when we're not replicating things anymore, we're like just experimenting or just trying fresh and new and uh, having to deal with the failure of it all. So I guess maybe it's just like a fear of failure. 
kind of thing that my ego still is holding on to. But the thing that's coming to my mind right now is like, we're building a path. And as we're building the path, we're also walking the path. And we're building or like putting each brick down before we're taking the step. Mm -hmm. And like us putting the brick down is us having faith, total faith in the universe that that the brick will either be right or we can stand on the brick, turn around and see how we can change it, you know? So it's like, we're totally building this path, bringing this new way of business into the world and having the privilege to look behind us and seeing, okay, that didn't work. That's kind of, that's like not right. Let's fix it. But also stepping forward and like making it better as we go along, totally. which is totally our energy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the only, it's the only way that's true. And I've also mm-hmm. watched, at least in my personal life, if I make a mistake, I'll fix it. I'm not scared of the mistakes. That's what I'll learn from. Um, and I can remember partners in the past, like, oh, what if it's wrong? And they freeze right there. And I'm like, if it's wrong, I'll fix it. But if I'm not moving it forward, I don't know. Um, I'm much... Yeah, um, I don't have the ego of a Leo, thank fucking God. Um, so if I make him, a, um, yeah. But I, I, as you said, even the word plan is plan even in a construct of reality that we're no longer operating in. I can't have a plan. I would love to have a vision. And in the absence of both of those things, um, guess what? I trust me now. And I trust that whatever is going to come, it's going to come from that place of joy, pleasure, and rightness. Mm-hmm. But I can't explain it. And that means I also may not get male investors because they're like, well, we can't really see. Um, fucking cool. Move on. Yeah. 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 Talk about the embodiment of divine feminine, walking this path, building the path as you go. Like it's embodiment of divine feminine. And it's like, we have bullet points. We have yeah. a to-do list, yes. but it's not in order at all. Yep. No. And it's not linear. Order. It's not linear. And it doesn't have to be linear. And it, it shouldn't be linear because that's, so boring. Yeah. And can I just, um, I'm going to, just for everyone listening, make sure that you understand that like Divine Feminine Way is not only available to women, it's available to men as well. It's available to everyone. The goal of being able to like heal the masculine and heal the feminine so we can co-create together. Fuck yeah! Um, I am a huge fan. Um, there's one other point and I lost it because I got to a fuck yeah. So, nah, nah, nah. Um, I... Th- new ways of doing business, new ways of creating, new ways of trusting that um, is only going to benefit the world because we've watched this other structure. Oh, that's what it was. We lived in an Akashic reality that um, became malware. And so that Akashic reality is broken and dissolving would be the languaging that I would use on it. So the opportunity to create a new one, yeah, uh, limitless, totally. We can do whatever we want. And we know that this way doesn't work anymore. So um, I think the only wrongness is trying to put it in that old paradigm. Totally. Or trying to put it in and not switching when it doesn't work or if it doesn't work. Being attached to the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, say more. I I think I'm always attached to an outcome. So, um, huh? What? Well, I think that if like you can, you can use the old paradigm because like it's proven to work, proven Mm -hmm. in a past context, but you, if you're putting it into that paradigm, you have to be free to pivot within the paradigm. Got it. Because like we're dissolving the past, right? And we're dissolving. dissolving. We aren't doing it. It's fucking doing it itself, which I think is also like crazy. Um, Right. 
And I, I don't need like, to destroy anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good to use the old paradigm as like a stepping stone and maybe as a structure so you don't feel the, what were we talking about yesterday in the car? The like overwhelmingness of all the options. Oh, decision fatigue. Decision fatigue, because that's real. That's and true. so if you can like use the structure of the past and play with that, you can still move forward mm-hmm. or backward or whatever. But it's like, you got to play with the structures. It's not like, it's dying, it's dead. You can't use it. Because then someone, me definitely being that person is going to be like, well, then what do we even, what? So we can use we it do? as a launch pad. Mm-hmm. We can't use it as a uh, map. Right. It's not a one size fits all option anymore. Right. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a launch pad. Start here and then figure out how to make it work for you. And then, yeah, you're looking back on yourself. Is this working for me? Does this, is this a yes or is this a no? Yeah. This feels like a no, then let's find the yes. Totally. Um, can I tell you every time I watch a Marvel and I go into a place of like those motherfuckers, which um, I have a tendency to do, I always come into like Ashleen having like another perspective on it. I'm like, I try not to be so judgy. <laughs> um, so I appreciate you in so very many ways for opening up to a softness and a potentiality that I don't always see. Thanks. You're welcome. I do that for a lot of people. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. I think it's, I don't know. I think it's probably some placements or something. But yeah, I tend to. No, don't give it any, don't give the power off of the to anybody else. Okay. Thing. It's yeah. you, actually. Yeah, I, I just tend to think, I don't know, the, maybe it's the projector. Well, never mind. Not the projectorness of it. I tend to see the bigger picture and multiple Pads. perspectives of any situation, which is good and it also is bad because then I see too many people's perspectives and I'm like well I can understand why they're coming from that perspective I can understand what I can like let that grievance go because I understand where they're coming from but that's not but I think in that openness and that ability to see with it like almost with fly eyes many things on a situation it does bring like you're built for the new mama it's really fucking cool Mm -hmm. thanks um, and yeah, I don't remember what I was watching the other day, but I immediately like went into that place of like, I can't fucking believe Mayfair <laughs> witches. I do know what it, I fucking know what it was. They, um, I had lots of feelings about it and I was going to message people about it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I should probably talk to Ashleen before I have any opinion at all, because I'll just come through with a fucking sledgehammer of like, I can't believe. It, Wait, what is this that you're what watching? Is May, what is Mayfair witches? That's not a Marvel, is it? It's not a Marvel. It's Anne Rice. Okay, okay. So, um, oh. you know, like, they have taken Anne Rice's books and they did, let me just say, okay, we're here. We're here. Let's fucking talk about it. They did a yeah. beautiful job with Interview with a Vampire. Like, fuck yeah. Nailed it. And then all of a sudden, Mayfair Witches. And so this is like a very big anthology. It was my favorite. Um, Anne Rice was a portal to me and like what was possible and like the richness of life and being able to get it through books and imagination and all of those things. So when they say they're doing Mayfair Witches and I'm like, oh my God, like that is a big story to tell. And they've committed to like doing it all the way through. And then I watch episode number one and I'm like, they fucking what? Oh my God. Anne Rice is like so angry in her grave. Should I chant? <laughs> oh my God. Um, that's where I went. Like, I just think. Um, I love how you just want to talk shit with the deceased I like, idea generator. <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> Fuck yes. 
We're not limited by space and time. Um, but I'm also, but I'm deeply limited by ego, right? Because like my ego trying to talk to Anne Rice would be totally like shit talking. Um, and she might be like, well, no, I think she did a really great job, Andy. Um, I had one email exchange with Anne Rice. We didn't ever get to converse, but um, I guess, yeah, nothing, nothing is still not possible. Hey, what else do y'all want to bring forward today? Anything that you're excited about, curious about playing with? No, we've been very uh, take root focused. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say where I'm at today, today, uh, they're like, no more creating content, like just stop. So I've been in this place of like, just do, just do. And not from a masculine, like it's come in that same way of like one hour versus 55 hours of like, I don't know how I have uh, been as productive as I have within the last few weeks. And I didn't have it as a plan to do. It just burst forth from me and now that i'm like well i know i need to send a newsletter um and i'm like i am out of fucking work like i i'm to yes i yes. totally resonate that's with that where I'm at. that's been our last <laughs> month yeah getting all of this ready to launch so it. now it's like well and we're getting some feedback from or i'm getting feedback from people in my network who are like well why aren't you doing direct sales like why aren't you cold calling dispensaries and you know and that's hard no because that sucks I don't want to do that. I don't want to cold call anybody. I want a beacon that shines and people see me and are like, I want to do that. And I want to give you my money so I can do that. That's what I want to do. And each one of those, as well-intentioned as they are, I'm not playing in that fucking paradigm anymore. Let me show you how I do it. I don't know how I do it, but just watch. Give me a fucking right. second. That's right. where I keep playing with, right? Yes. We're yep. going to find mm -hmm. new ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and our success is guaranteed because our light is fucking magnificent and can't be denied. So no, I'm not going to cold right. call. Right. <laughs> How, oh, <laughs> what paradigm did that exist? Sales. I, mean, I think uh -huh. even in that way for me, like the idea of sales and I'm like, yeah. I'm not selling anything. And with our mm. retreat, um, there was an idea of like, should we do early bird pricing? And I'm like, no, no, no. Then we're putting a false sense of time on it that. I also, I, I don't want to participate in that anymore. Totally. Yeah. We were, had to call with like an, a coach type of a guy and he was telling us like a sales path for us. And the whole time I was like, okay. how can I do this different? Yeah. This is not, this does, I, I don't, don't wanna, resonate. I, I don't resonate, wanna. does not compute. How can I change this into things that makes us excited to do this? Yeah. Because if we do this, then take root ends here. Yeah. It's why, and, and like, really, I know they are like knowledgeable and well-intended and well-spoken and meeting us because they believe in us. And then as they talk, I'm just like, ain't no fucking way. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not well, and then let's be grateful for the clear indication of the physical manifestation of no. <laughs> yes. And like, I'm grateful for the past three years of knowing what it feels like to be uh, like, unmotivated to do that yeah okay <laughs> we're here for the new yeah here for the new mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um okay and i'm just gonna ask a question that i have about take root me as a non-bud tender if i wanted to learn more about marijuana in that way would i be able to like buy it on my own and go through it as an education model 
Currently, no, we okay. have it um, just for dispensaries, but there are um, other places online where you can find lots of resources like that and courses and stuff. And honestly, and let's be real. People. I'm not going to fucking learn that much because I'm stoner lazy in other ways, but um, like I, yeah. I love uh, listening to chronic gals and you guys go into such depth on things where I'm like, what the fuck's a terpene? <laughs> um, I learn something every time and uh, your love of it your knowledge of it, the way that you bring forward, like what you're smoking and what. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just like, I'll just like shove a bowl and like, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't have that same connoisseur quality to me. That's but I fine. trust bud tenders who do, right? I'll go in and I'm like, I want something that makes me feel really sexy. Um, but sometimes I get too high and just like get paranoid. And they're like, you want this, that, that's a good fucking bud tender who can like, yes. I can explain the mood that I want and they can guide me to where it is. Like that's gold right there. Yep. yep. That's our ideal. That's what we hope that every bartender who takes our course can become. Yes. Um, <laughs> more of those, please. Yes, yes. Yes. I know. I'm like, what else? I know. I'm feeling into <laughs> it for a second. Because um, Riley, I know that you've got a new business that came forward last year as well. You want to talk about that at all? Puka? Puka? The socks? <laughs> Which one? Um, well, I've been working with my boyfriend, Warren, on his clothing business. Um, it's called Four Unique Characters Alike, and aka Fuka. And it's his. It's basically his brain baby and his creative outlet, but I help him wrangle his ideas to make them like less idea-y. <laughs> More reality-y? Reality-y. Um, but yeah and then we were ice dyeing a lot of socks last year mm -hmm. um a little birdie told a little other birdie ashleen that socks should be a thing and andy birdie, andy birdie told ashleen he told me during a session yeah you were like the socks i don't really know what the socks are about but tell riley to keep making the socks <laughs> did you do it joyously or did you do it just because some fucking weird birdie channeled it no, I did. We did it because it was friggin' fun. Okay. I really actually like really enjoyed like tying up the socks and like dyeing the socks. And we sold a bunch of fucking socks. Like <laughs> how freaking random. But yeah. But, and then we, can we just hear where like your real business advice should come from is from your shaman and not from your business investor. Okay. Obviously. Oh, obviously. <laughs> Get your business channelings here, yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. Which um, I will, I'm just going to uh, throw a little plug in. I don't know if you're going to be doing sessions anymore, but if anybody has a business out there and they want to like connect with the energy of their business, call Andy because we did it with Take Root and it really helped us in a challenging moment of our business yes. and has helped guide us. So that was, well, thank you. Um, you're welcome. Thank you for saying that. Let me let me just receive that for a second. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. um, because what I do see as a place that I want to be in, which is um, in the pivot of businesses in a new way and what are businesses that are soulfully aligned and fulfilling purpose. So um, being on boards of directors and working with CEOs to hold new visions. Um, that's, <laughs> uh, that's where I get very excited these days because I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can we can make sure that um, even if I don't have a vision of what the world is, that it's coming in from a place that's sustaining um, because this lady knows some ar Akashic architecture and I may have built some grids in other <laughs> lifetimes, like, mm -hmm. um, interesting. 
Wild. What, an, what a beautiful fucking world we get to um, participate in, huh? And uh, y'all beware the egregores that tell you anything that is going on, that your lived knowingness is like, really, butter? Butter is scarce, y'all? Like, what the fuck is that? That was a funny one to me. Eggs. Um... Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My favorite one that I keep seeing on, like, TikTok is, like, Billionaires get money during a recession. <laughs> Billionaires make money while on a recession. Here's 10 ways to make money during a recession. Oh, it's like trying to get people to, to like make, make money. money. Like, I'm like, this just fucking so dumb. You guys are dumb dumbs. Well, and what a weird watch idea the, video. the hustle is in general, right? Like, I'm not in this for the hustle anymore. I'm in it for the pleasure. I'm in it for the ease. I'm in it for the collaboration with people that I love and respect and feel. Exactly. Holla. Exactly. Awesome. Okay, Chronic Gals. Um, thanks for saying yes. Thanks for sharing with us Take Root so that uh, may this reach many, many, many business owners of uh, new businesses and in the cannabis industry that know they want to bring a better quality through to their customers and their clientele. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you for having us on. Yeah. You're welcome. That was so much fun. And I'm also in a place today where I don't feel great. So I wanted my energy not to come from a place of like overly trying because I'm learning in this body that that hurts. Um, I know you probably didn't notice, I do. So as we close out here, I don't feel like I opened with them in a way that was honoring of chronic gals and introductory of them. And I don't feel like we closed out that way either. And it's okay because I'm gonna go fucking light a joint now and um, move into my two-two ceremony. So wherever this finds you, however this finds you, thanks for being here. I love you so much. See you next time.